Well, good morning, everybody, and, and good afternoon and good evening to our international attendees. Uh, and welcome to Regionalism for Economic Development. What hey, Guillermo, hold, hold on. I don't think I think the attendees are still on hold here. Oh, just verify. It says Man, I was just getting right into my flow. I know. It says attendees are still on hold. Press star one. Okay. The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Good morning, everyone, and uh, good afternoon and good evening to our international attendees, and welcome to Regionalism for Economic Development, uh, what top performing regions are doing to succeed. Uh, my name is Guillermo Mazier, and I'm with Atlas Advertising's Business Development Team. Uh, before we get started here today, I think I wanted to provide some context for today's presentation because I think it'll it'll help uh, help us all understand this concept a little bit better. Uh, as a firm that specializes in economic development marketing, we were always asked questions like, what does regionalism really mean? How would you define a region? What tools or strategies are top performing economic development organizations in their regions doing to be competitive? And, and how are they using these tools? Um, so we thought, what better way to respond to some of these questions than bring in uh, a friend and colleague in Jen Wakefield with one of the highest performing economic development organizations in the country in the Metro Orlando EDC and uh, one of the foremost experts in economic development marketing and attraction in Ben Wright to discuss some of these issues and, and see how they relate to our communities. <clears throat> with that said, I wanted to introduce our first panelist, uh, Ben Wright of Atlas Advertising. For those of you that, who don't know Atlas, we're a niche economic development marketing and technology firm that specializes in reaching local, national, and international industry prospect and site selection audiences. Uh, we specialize in marketing strategy, website development, GIS mapping, research, and creative services that are really geared towards high-impact business attraction and retention. Uh, we have a staff of about 13 uh, based out of Denver, Colorado. Um, one other thing I wanted to note is that we understand that as economic developers, we all carry heavy toolboxes from financing and incentive to shaping policy and implementing marketing and attraction efforts. So we host these webinars for our clients and for the profession in general as a way to promote vital communities and really to promote high-performing economic development organizations. Now, for those of you guys who don't know Ben, Atlas the CEO, since founding Atlas in 2001, Ben's really been a, a driving force behind developing some of the world's most advanced technology for economic development. That includes a robust, robust content management system used in 85 different markets, a category-leading GIS system, Atlas Insight, which is used in 37 different markets, as well as a newly developed prospect management tool. Uh, Ben's a graduate of Stanford University in California with a degree in economics and, and an emphasis in urban studies. Uh, our next panelist is Jen Wakefield. Uh, she's the director of marketing for the Metro Orlando EDC. Uh, as the director of marketing, Jen's really responsible for providing strategic direction for the organization's marketing strategy, managing media relations and social media while providing communication counsel to the organization's executives and, and board members. She's recognized as a thought leader in developing collaborative communication strategies and has extensive experience in strategic planning, executive consulting, and media relations. 
before I turn over the, the presentation to Ben and Jen, uh, I just wanted to go over a few quick uh, housekeeping items, like where can I get this presentation is, is probably one question that you guys are asking yourselves right now. You can find the presentation in a couple different places, which uh, the first of which being on our website at www.atlas-advertising.com, uh, or you can see it uh, in the chat box. We included a link to the presentation so you can uh, view it, download it, um, share it if you'd like. Um, the next thing, housekeeping item that we wanted to we wanted to bring up is because you can hear us, but we can't hear you. There are a couple different ways for you guys to ask us questions throughout the presentation. Um, one way is to, again, chat your question in the chat box, and we'll be sure to answer it as it comes up or address it um, at the end of the presentation. The other way you can ask us questions um, is if, if, if you guys are on Twitter. You can follow us at AtlasAd and ask us questions using the hashtag AskAtlas. So um, getting back to the, the presentation, here are a couple of the questions. Here are the questions that we want to answer um, today. The first is, what is regionalism, um, and what are the current challenges facing regions nationally? Um, the next is, what really defines a high-performing region? What are, the, what are the leading regions doing to drive their current and future success? And lastly, what can my region uh, do, to com do to compete effectively with the resources and the staff that we have? So with that, I'm um, happy to turn the presentation over to Atlas CEO Ben Wright. Guillermo, thanks a lot, and Jen, it's nice to have you from um, from sunny, I hope, Orlando. It is very sunny, yes. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so uh, we'll jump right in. Uh, I think you know, region regionalism is probably something that's talked about as much or more than any topic in economic development, and, and it has lots of different definitions and lots of different. Uh, connotations wherever we go, and I think one of the benefits we have as a firm is is we we work in enough markets that we can kind of play back some of those things to uh, all of you and, and see where it shakes out. So uh, I borrowed Jen's keychain for this uh, presentation. So Jen, thanks for for uh, providing that. The dictionary version of of what a region is is a district without respect to boundaries or extent i.e. a charming region in Connecticut. The economic development version, a geographic area made up of multiple cities or counties so as to be better understood by companies or visitors who are considering locating a business or visiting there, uh, i.e. my business is located in the Orlando region, right? So, but let's talk about regionalism, right? Um, the economic development version of regionalism is a region means an integrated, interdependent economy, usually centered on an urban core. That comes from IEDC. And then let's really talk about the Atlas version, which I think is more of the working version that we see. It's the act. Like, regionalism is an act, right? Uh, the act of organizing multiple cities and counties that make up a region toward a shared vision. And I think that, more than anything, seems to be what regionalism is to us and to our clients. So um, so one of the things that we're kind of fascinated by is how do we help you succeed, right? So that the title of our presentation today is what top regions are doing to succeed, but I think it's how do we help all of us, uh, whether we're top, medium, or not. So the first thing is let's, let's 
kind of talk about success and let's define what a high-performing region is, right? So to do that, we've compiled some data, you know, being kind of good economic development folks. Uh, we want, we were seeking inspiration and, and we found some great inspiration here in Moneyball. So one of the things we're going to, we're going to actually do is launch a, a quick poll um, uh, and get a little bit of information from you right now. So we'll get a little bit of a sense of who we're talking to here. Okay, good. Thanks for voting. So I'm going to go ahead and, and share this poll here. Um, so here are the results. Fantastic. So we've got uh, a quite a good mix as we normally do. Thanks for that. Um, and then, uh, so we'll go ahead and hide that one. Um, we'll 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 go further than this, but we we kind of looked we looked towards something like Moneyball, uh, which is a book written by Michael Lewis, uh, who's just a fantastic author. And if you've if you've uh, read the book, if you if you don't like baseball, I think I actually fall into the category of somebody that doesn't like baseball, but I love this book. the 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 basis for this book is that uh, is really this. If the teams with the highest salaries in baseball consistently do well, so that the Yankees, the Boston, why are the Oakland A's always one of the best teams with one of the lowest payrolls? So this this is a book that, of course, you know, even if you don't like baseball, uh, Brad Pitt starred in. So for our female or just Brad Pitt fans in the audience, it's easy to kind of relate to. We saw this as a really has as something that has real parallels for economic development, in the sense that. I think smaller communities are always looking towards, gosh, how do we compete with bigger communities? Bigger regions are always looking towards states. You know, we're always looking at, at somebody outside. How do we compete? How do we compete? And Moneyball is really about how this small market team, the Oakland A's, figured out ways to compete that nobody had done before. And now, this is kind of the standard in baseball. It's a very analytical approach called Sabermetrics, and we're trying to help economic developers do the same thing. So, um, so uh, what we're out to find, what metrics drive success in economic development regardless of budget, population, or staff, right? And uh, here is, here's the theoretical idea right now that our job as economic developers is to, um, uh, is to uh, generate awareness, generate inquiry, and generate jobs and investment in a pretty simple way. So uh, that is our, that's kind of our, that's our thought. So um, so we started out with data collection. We sent a bunch of different emails. Some of you probably have done it. We've got 90 communities thus far from 25 states, and our goal is to get to 350 communities from all 50 states. And if you want to take the survey, it's here. It'll take you, as long as you've got some data about your prospects, uh, and your activity, uh, it'll take you 10 minutes to do. And if you take it, we'll give you a confidential report. But let's talk about let's talk about what um, who participated, and and just we're going to give you a sneak peek of what we're finding because uh, I think it'll wet your whistle a little bit. 
number one, I think we have a really nice cross sample of the small markets, meaning the less than 25,000, the, the small medium markets, and, and all the way up to markets that are over 2.5 million. Um, we've also got uh, various budgets from under $100,000, uh, uh, you see here, 12%, all the way up to $2.5 million in budget. So I want to share a few things that are kind of interesting. And, and as you're thinking about the sports analogy, these are things that are kind of akin to batting average or scoring uh, in sports, right? So here's one. The average economic development website receives 161 visits per actual inquiry. So if we're trying to dig into the metrics of economic development, this is a fascinating one. You know, everybody talks about what's the role of a website. Well. I think across the, the 90 or so respondents, they get about 161 visits to their website for each actual phone call, email that's an actual inquiry from a company in their area or somewhere else. The average inquiry, and this is one where people start to, to kind of, their ears start to perk up. The average inquiry to an EDO, whether or not it's won or lost, is 7.9 million in capital investment and wages from the new jobs created. And the key here is whether or not it's won or lost. So what that means is each inquiry, whether you win it, lose it, whatever, it's worth basically eight million bucks. And most of our clients don't think of it that way. They think, man, I'm kind of in the running here, but and I'll do what they need me to do, but uh, eight million bucks is not something that uh, is not something that we think about. The average EDO is announced, so this is kind of like the scoring average if you're an NBA fan. Uh, this is this is you know the the average scoring, so maybe it's 12 points, averaging 12 points a game as an NBA player. Uh, the average EDO has announced almost 1,500 jobs in the past year. Okay, and then here is the Moneyball stat, right? Uh, so the small market versus big market, the Oakland A's against the Yankees, right? On a per capita basis, small market EDOs make a bigger difference. So isn't this interesting that you know, if you're in a small market EDO, as, as about a quarter of you are, what our data is showing is that you know, you're making somewhere between a $900 and a $3,700 impact per capita in your community. Uh, and that's more than the average. And the, the reason we've got a high and low here is that we only asked for population ranges from our respondents. So you see that at left. But isn't that an interesting stat? If you're, you know, if you're in a, a big market, uh, you know, a million to 2.5 million uh, person market, you're making between $187 and $468 of impact every year. Um, but if you're in a small market, you are uh, much, much more than that. So Going back to the, the um, so I, I, I think for us, th these are some early stats and we're going to be rolling out, rolling this out as well as rolling it out to individuals who respond, benchmarking them against other respondents in September. Um, so far, here are the highest performers within regions of regions with market size. One of the things I love about this is this isn't an IEDC award, which is great. This is not a, um, this is not a pat on the back. These are the performers that are driving more jobs and more investment than any other region that's responded in their market size. So Greater Phoenix, 
Metro Orlando, who you've got the, the uh, opportunity to hear from today, Jen Wakefield, as well as Tulsa. And I'm not sure if these three communities or these three economic developers have ever been on the same page before. Um, but I think, you know, as you, as you look to economic developers that are making a big difference and doing it in a quantitative way, you know, in the same way that Moneyball is about wins, we're about capital investment and job creation. Here are the three that are, for their size, are, are doing the best. Well, and then all three do have Rick Weddle in common. Did Rick work in Tulsa? He did. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. shameless plug for, for Rick right there. Isn't that, but are you sure we want to tell, do we want to tell Rick that or, or, uh, <laughs> or no? We'll see. Um, so uh, last bit, if you haven't participated already, benchmark your community uh, to learn if your community is the Yankees or if your community is the A's. And again, here's the link. Um, and we'll be able to play back to you kind of how, how, uh, uh, how it's going. So, um, so we've, we've kind of provided a quantitative framework now for success. So let's talk about some challenges to regionalism. And again, if regionalism is the, the act of bringing cities and counties together for a shared vision, um, let's talk about some challenges. So the, the first bit and another thing we really like to do is we like to hear from you. So if you go into your chat window uh, on your right-hand side, go ahead and tell us some of the challenges that your region is facing. And Jen and I will use it as uh, direction. So we'll take a, a few minutes here for you guys to, uh, to, to put that information in. Okay, so we're seeing things like availability of skilled workforce, parochialism, lack of funding, um, um, things of that nature. How do you explain or measure the benefits of, of an economic development organization? Individualistic mindset, competition for funding, absolutely. Building inventory, skills gap, uh, distrust of central city, uh, we see that one a lot as well. So thank you guys for, for all those. Here are some things that I think we see, um, and, and I'll kind of talk about them, as well as five things that successful regions are doing from our perspective. And then Jen's going to give you the real story, not the kind of consultant speak or the, you know, the stuff that we do, but how they're actually doing it in Orlando to be successful. So the challenges that I see, and again, regionalism is kind of about creating a shared vision. So. First and foremost, it's, we, see not under, we, see, we see regions not understanding that their community exists in competition with others. So a lot of times at the regional level, there's, a, there's a, a, a lot of conversation that, hey, we really only look inside. And um, even within the region, we have a hard time even comparing or um, treating our, our different regions as a portfolio, right? So where we are in Denver, which is where I, I learned economic development in the 90s, you know, we, we had a hard time kind of saying, gosh, Boulder, if you know Boulder, is different than Aurora, which is in the southeast part. We didn't feel like that was our job. And, or we had a hard time saying, this is really how Denver is different than Phoenix. And 
I think in, in many respects this is this is the job of the region. It's to help others, help the regional partners understand that all of our communities exist in competition with others. Um, so that's one challenge. Another challenge is lack of strategic alignment around goals and targets. Um, and you know, and in particular, what do those targets really mean that everybody needs to do? Um, so we see this in terms of, I, I think it comes up a lot in some of the, the, the comments uh, that uh, that we're hearing. One comment is, you know, do you pursue a particular region, uh, or excuse me, a particular a particular industry or not? That's an example of not having strategic alignment within the region, or not setting goals and targets. Um, a third one, and I think this I've, I've seen this. My economic development career spans about 19 years, and I saw a really effective, seen really effective leaders kind of come and go in regions. And in some cases, you know, work in a region, leave that region, and come back to the same region. And I think what 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 I would tend to say is that regionalism and shared vision has a ton to do with the center leadership. And and uh, you know, Rick Weddle maybe an interesting case study that Jen can kind of share you share with you about his his style to create trust, but and avoid personal conflicts. I think all of us probably know that there's lack of trust or uh, lack of communication where we are in the different regions we are, we, we operate in. And this makes a bigger difference than we think. And then last, I think accountability towards the goal. So there's a lot of questions in economic development today about what kind of difference do we make, right? And uh, if there are questions about how much difference we make, then there are always questions about accountability, right? And I think uh, accountability in general is a challenge to regionalism. So this kind of sets up, these are the things that we see that tend to knock regions down if, if, they're, not, uh, if they're not solid. And uh, we're going to dig into these a little bit different, or a little bit deep, more deeply. So given those challenges, what are five things that regions are doing to succeed? And, and these are, this is based on study of the top regions, right? And then you'll hear from one of them uh, with Jen. So the first thing, top regions see themselves as a product. They understand that they need to treat their region as a diverse portfolio. They need to they understand that they need to see their region from the outside, and they need to see the pieces of their region uh, as different parts of the whole. Right. So what you see here is Toulouse, France, equals an iPhone. Right. The product developers at at uh, at Apple really understand how the iPhone is different from Android or from the litany of competitors that they have. And they're very intentional about the things that they work on and the way that they go about their business. And I think at a regional level, uh, it's important that regions um, or that the most successful regions are really honest about who they are and what they have to offer. And they invest there and they work hard there. And you know. You know, Orlando is actually one of these. Uh, Jen will show you, for example, her top ten reasons, which I think are pretty thoughtful about why Orlando is useful as a product. Um, so uh, that's point one. Two, top regions create alignment by having a strategy. Now, this doesn't mean hiring a, a big consulting firm to do it. I think that's more of a tactic. You can have a strategy without um, hiring McKinsey. Uh, so here's kind of what we mean. 
they've created and documented a plan, right? They've written it down that includes measurable goals, the tactics they're going to use to get there, and accountability if they succeed or fail. Some regions put a, a uh, flag in the ground and say we're going to do this many jobs in this many years. Others put a flag in the ground around the work that they're going to complete as opposed to the outcomes, but they, they, they all have one or they have a process that, that they're going through currently. Next, they've involved local partners and business leaders in the process. We, you know, we're working in regions now that where this is really getting formed, this relationship with local partners. And a strategy is actually a really interesting way to create those, those relationships. And it, the more open, the better. Uh, in many cases, our, our clients are, are frustrated <laughs> with having to sit in the same room with somebody that they don't always want to work with, but, um, but that's part of it. Three, speaking of relationships, top regions invest in local relationships with business and government. They have regular meetings, monthly, quarterly. They have regular meetings with private sector leaders. And they really see themselves as the conveners uh, on issues of regional significance, marketing, workforce, transportation, policy. These are things that get done. I think if a region only sees itself as a deal maker or only sees itself as a policy organization, you're going to get some splinters. And I know we've got some folks uh, from regions where there are kind of multiple regional organizations that have splintered around different types of goals. And, and that's not optimal, certainly. Four, top regions have the most robust economic development website in, in the region itself. They become the hub for information. So they realize that the region gets 10 times the online activity of the largest city or county. So Again, to use a Colorado example, I live in Westminster, but if I was out talking to, to all of you, if I said Westminster, you would say, I have what? I, I have no idea where that is. Um, that is part of the Denver region. So if I say Denver, then, uh, then you get it. Well, the, that type of activity is, is quantified in Google. Denver economic development uh, gets, you know, I haven't looked at it, but probably 10 to 100 times the searches as something like Westminster Economic Development for the same region, reason. Um, they invest in the most robust storehouse of regional data. I think we all know that data on a regional level is more useful. They tell the story of the regional portfolio. It's, you know, this area is best for this. This area is best for this. Here's how the whole region is different. Here's where this industry locates within the region. And then lastly, they drive leads to their business development staff. There's a real connection between web and business development. Lastly, top regions are accountable for their results. So accountability is one of the most kind of office spacey kind of terms. Uh, so we thought it was best to use a savage chickens uh, cartoon for this. You've got a problem with avoiding personal accountability. Yeah, and whose fault is that? I think we've all kind of been in in situations like that in economic development where we want to blame or we want to take credit and, and accountability is, is a little bit squirrely. But strong regions sign agreements to achieve results. Hey, we're going to, this is what your investment gets us um, or gets you. They course correct if goals are not met. And I think almost most importantly, they're transparent with leads, prospects, and outcomes. So, um, so those are five things that we think regions, top regions are doing.
But now I think we want to get the real skinny. And so I'm going to hand it over to, to the second half of Team Benjen, as we were called two years ago uh, when we did a speech at IEDC. So uh, here's Jennifer Wakefield. Well, thank you very much, Ben. Um, well, I'm going to start off by, um, I don't have a question, but I'm sure that all of you are familiar with Orlando, Florida. Uh, and the reason for that is because we're the home to Walt Disney World. Um, we're also the home to several other theme parks. We're known as a place for fun. Um, but So we can't really, um, we, we could try to change that perception, but it would be too difficult. And we don't want to. We love the fact that we're known as a region for imagination and for innovation. Um, what Rick Weddle, our CEO, says is that we're a region that is very well known, but very poorly understood. Um, because we are a fun destination, um, we are imagination, we are innovation, creativity, but there is actually a tech industry that predates uh, Walt Disney World or any of the other theme parks that were here that was built around um, the photonics industry and around the space program and our education system that was founded here. Uh, we also have a very large area. A lot of people think of um, the resort area near Walt Disney World as Orlando, and they don't realize that there actually is a downtown. They don't realize that they're actually not in the city of Orlando when they're at Walt Disney World. Uh, that is not in the city limits of Orlando. Um, and so we do have a very large area. It's four counties, 4,012 square miles. And for us, for us, what we think that offers uh, our clients is that it offers a variety of options for them. So from a high rises in downtown to um, if we're working with a filmmaker to swamps and jungles to farmlands and small towns, we really have a very wide variety of options. Now, what we've listed here is um, our top 10 reasons on the slide that, that we consider top 10 reasons for doing business in Orlando. And we think it's because we have a very young, diverse, and educated workforce. Uh, most people think that the median age for someone living in the state of Florida or in Orlando is, uh, is rather old. Uh, and in fact, the reality is, is that the average age is around 36. Um, access, because we have over 50 million visitors coming to Orlando every year, we have a fantastic international airport. And we actually don't have just one international airport. We have two very large international airports with a third one that actually is considered an international airport. Uh, then we have very good road connectivity, uh, and we're in close proximity to um, Port Canaveral as well. We are, really are a top location for entrepreneurs. We're one of two locations in the country that are home to a national entrepreneur center where they have several different facilities all located together. Um, as I mentioned, we have a variety of real estate. We really are a tech industry hub. That really was the foundings of Orlando back around the 1960s. Um, we have an innovation economy. We are home to the University of Central Florida, which is the second largest university in the country. Uh, we have very great neighborhoods, which are very diverse. We have a very strong partnership philosophy, which several of our um, prospects and several of the clients that we have worked with in the past have cited that as a reason for why they have chosen to locate in Orlando. is because, um, as Dr. John Reed from Stanford Florida Medical Research Institute stated, and I have captured on a, on a YouTube video somewhere that, um, they really were looking for a place that you know was willing to to partner together and to really work you know hand in hand with Stanford Burnham and because they saw that happening here in Orlando they knew that that was the place that they wanted to locate their East Coast expansion and then um, our number ten top ten reason is the livability factor um, there is sunshine outside it is you know nice and warm right now but in February when other parts of the country and other parts of the world might be cold 
it's still 80 degrees here a lot of times. Um, so it's very livable. If you wanted to go to the theme parks, they are right down the road. No, not everyone here goes to the theme parks every weekend. Um, we do have a lot of other diversity as well. Uh, next slide. Our regional strategy. Um, a few years ago, when the 2008-2009 uh, downturn started, we really noticed that you know, things were definitely shifting in economic development and in the economy worldwide. And so we really took that time to refocus our efforts, to look at what we were doing, to look at what we could potentially improve upon. Um, we really engaged our board members very heavily. We went through, we tweaked our vision and our mission statement. And we really had a very strategic realignment where we did bring in new leadership. Um, that's when Rick Weddle came in um, to join our EDC. Um, we really sought, sought um, buy-in from, from our investors, from, our, from the private area, as well as our public partner investors. So we have four counties that we cover and the city of Orlando. Um, and then we made sure that we had very um, mutually agreed upon processes. So in the past, a lot of what we would do would be we would agree upon something, but there wasn't any formality to a lot of the processes in place. And so once, once Rick came on board, um, we really went, worked to standardize that. Next slide. One of the first things that, um, that Rick Weddle did was to create what we refer to as the RED team. It's the Regional Economic Developers Team, where we gather them together once a month. And those are the economic development partners who work for, the, for Orange County, for Seminole County, for Lake County, for Osceola County, for the city of Orlando, for progress, for utilities, um, and for our university systems. And we had very great relationships with each of those individually, but we never really brought them all together. And so we created this red team to bring them all together once a month to where we would meet. Uh, and talk about different issues that they were having or that they were seeing or ways that we could work together more. Um, and there's a photo here of some of our red team members at a conference together um, where they were working together on um, a, new a new conference setting. Um, we also reestablished our business visitation program where we're going out to businesses and something that is you know, a standard in economic development where you have a business visitation program. Ours um, has been tweaked and redefined. Uh, we hired an external affairs director, so someone who is not actually in the marketing department. He um, reports directly to Rick, but he is responsible for all external affairs. So he is the first point of contact for our red team members. He is the one who has the um, is working on very strong partnerships with our different chambers of commerce, with you know rotaries, with elected officials here in town, with our state legislators. Um, and then we work very, very closely with Visit Orlando, which is a convention and visitors bureau here in Orlando, um, and with the Central Florida Partnership, which is the home to Orlando Inc., which is the Orlando Chamber of Commerce and the other chambers of commerce throughout the area, um, because we all have a shared brand. And so we work very closely all together on that. Next slide. Our website, um, Ben and Guillermo have provided a, a screenshot of what our website looks like. It's orlandoedc.com. We have a dedicated website manager. Her job is to manage the website. Um, and we have worked very closely over the years on our search engine optimization and making sure that that is in place. Uh, our website is entirely regionally focused. But if people are looking for detailed information on specific um, cities or counties, um, for instance, as, as Ben mentioned, he lives in Westminster. But you would go and search for Denver 
Well, then you would want to find detailed information once you've zeroed in on Denver for Westminster and specifically for the city for the data in there. And so we have a very regionally focused website, but then it also does get into the nitty gritty of each of the different cities and the facts and the data in there. We have a very robust data center on our website as well as a map room so that if people are looking for specific statistics or looking to um, go through the maps that we have, they can do that. Uh, we also have a very robust newsroom and we've integrated social media all throughout our website. Um, one of the things that we do very often is we have different micro sites or landing pages that we create specifically for projects. We've been doing this for about four years now. Um, and then when we have advertising, we will run perhaps a QR code in the advertising um, to link people directly to a landing page so that we can capture all that information. And all of that traffic that goes to our website, of course, we can see what turns into leads. Next slide. Uh, <clears throat> this is the I Love Accountability t-shirt. Um, <laughs> How, how we show our accountability, um, as, as Rick likes to say, especially to our red team members, our goal really is to you know, treat them fairly and treat them equitably. Um, and that's for our public partners, our red team members, all of our private investors. We want to make sure that, um, that we are being fair and we are being equitable to all of the people who are involved in economic development. We communicate very fully with them and we communicate very often. Um, since we've established the red team, we um, have communications that regularly go out to them and we talk with them very frequently. And then verification is something that has come up um, a lot because there are um, incentives um, that have been discussed in, in the media and numbers of jobs um, really kind of all throughout the media nationwide and, and worldwide as well on the usefulness of incentives or the numbers of jobs that a company might, that a company might create. Uh, and so we established a few years back a job verification process where once we have our metrics for the year, um, we then go back one fiscal year later and go back and verify if the company did go through to meet all of that. And we do that as our own entity, even though the state does do a process as well for incentivized projects. Ben, Guillermo? Okay, great. So, so I think that the next part of uh, this presentation is, is to, to see what, what we can take away from it. So what are some of the steps that a region uh, can do to, to achieve high performance. And so we've listed out four key steps that a region can, uh, can do to, to achieve what we call high performance. But, but before that, I, I just want to recap some of, the, some of the ideas and the concepts that we've, that we've heard today before we get into questions. I think when we talk about regionalism and, and to circle back to it, it's, it's, more of a, it's more of an approach and an idea than it is a theory. And it's really taken off in a lot of different parts of the country based on the understanding that regions defined by geography in the definition that we guys that we provided in the beginning of the presentation, that regions provide really an economic competitive advantage to businesses looking to expand or relocate, basically allowing them to grow and, and prosper faster. So um, one of the one of the things that I heard uh, I think it was at a, last year's IEDC uh, from an economic development professional. He said, a bigger pie means more pieces for everybody. So by working together uh, in a regional effort, uh, cities, counties, and communities can, can be more productive and more effective to, to, to really perform uh, at a high level. So the, the, the tools or the takeaways from this presentation that we'd really like to impart with you guys before we leave is, one, benchmark your region's performance. Uh, 
um, we've given you the link to to our benchmarking study, which will be rolled out at IEDC's annual conference uh, in Houston. Uh, the next is pick three regions or leaders that you admire. Uh, in my case, I have I have a few uh, favorite regions. Uh, one of them being uh, the right place, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Another one being uh, the Richmond region, the Greater Richmond Partnership, um, and then the other being the Phoenix region. And pick some leaders that you admire and follow them. So whether that means following somebody like Rick Weddle on Twitter or following Barry Broom, the, the CEO of uh, Greater Phoenix Economic Partnership, uh, following his blogs or any articles relating to, to him or the organization. The next, the next thing or takeaway we would say is identify the key tools in your regional tool set. So what, what does this mean? What, what is the product data or what are the brand differentiators? How are we defining or how are you defining your region as a product? And a thing or a way to, to facilitate this is to do strategic workshops within your organization, within your key business leaders uh, in, in the community. This means relationship building, um, any tools that you can use locally, whether it's for meetings or any kind of collaboration software. Uh, another regional tool set uh, module would be a sophisticated website and GIS and data management tools. This includes you know, sales and marketing track, tracking tools as well. So what is the technology that exists or doesn't exist within your region that you guys can, can leverage uh, to become really high-performing organizations? And the last piece is, is making use of resources from experts. I think there's a lot of great information, great content out there, either produced by you know, the IEDC, um, uh, the Center for Economic Research. There's a lot of great uh, third-party data sources, and there's a lot of experts that specialize in in some of these uh, some of these steps that we're that we're talking about today. So, with with that, I wanted to uh, quickly just go over a couple of the things that Atlas is doing to promote uh, smart regions and competitive regions. The first product offering is is our smart city websites that are built for communities under 100,000 in population or less, and our regional websites that are geared for uh, large regions. If you guys want to learn more about them, uh, feel free to contact me or just go to the link and, and you can read the PDFs. But I think with that, uh, we're ready to field some questions. Great. Um, so I think the first, I think the, the first is a question we have for you, which is just one thing that you've learned in today's webinar. I've got a couple. I've got a couple questions kind of uh, queued up uh, from previously, but uh, tell us what you uh, what you have taken away thus far, and that'll help. Uh, go ahead and put that in the question box. So one one of the questions that uh, that has come up is how do you mean what What do you mean by transparency? And I think this is you know, uh, Jen, that's something that you mentioned in, in Orlando, but uh, what does transparency really mean when it comes to partnering within a region? So, um, Jen, we, we have some answers to that one, but do you want to answer on behalf of, of Orlando what, what transparency really is? Sure. Um, transparency really to us is, um, I mean, it's really kind of you know utilizing the golden rule: treat people as you would um, as you would want to be treated. So, um, sharing information, um, making sure that you know all parties um, 
you know, are aware of what's going on, keeping people up to date with what's happening, and making sure that, that your partners, especially, are, are not surprised by anything. That's great. And I'll, I'll kind of answer from a, from a technology standpoint in terms of transparency. As we were building our regional um, prospect management tools, one of the questions that we fielded from our customers and users is, gosh, I just can't get a status update uh, on this prospect. They may not be handling the prospect themselves, but they, need a, they just need an update. So transparency sometimes means, hey, this is the last communication with that regional prospect. And, and what we've done to kind of solve that, that I think is, is, is in the spirit of transparency, is that when a, when a, a city inside a region um, proposes properties for a prospect, they actually get to see what every other city or every other county has, uh, has put forth to that prospect from a, a property standpoint. To me, that's an example of true kind of teamwork and, and transparency in the sense that we're all working together to uh, promote the, the overall region. And in some cases, our property is not going to be the winner. In some cases, our city's not going to be the winner. But at least we can participate and see what has been, what has been uh, put together. Uh, and, or um, we can see what, what has been put forth to that prospect. So um, there, there's another question here about what are the typical components of a signed agreement. And this is something that, that and this one comes from, uh, from TVA, uh, from Glenda. Signed agreements that we recommend, when, when we work on behalf of a city within a region, um, we, we actually recommend that as, as part, of a, um, part of an investment, you know, because cities and counties do invest in regions, that, that it's clearly spelled out what will be delivered um, and that that investment is done on a per capita share. So the per capita share of, the, of a regional population is uh, what is paid into the regional economic development effort. So sometimes that can be an outcome, like you know, this many leads, this many uh, jobs, roughly. Other times it's more activity-based. So, hey, we will uh, do this many trade shows. You'll have this many co-op marketing opportunities based on the plan that was set forth and the industry targets that were set forth before. So in terms of a signed agreement, that's really what we mean. And uh, that's also another kind of transparency. So, uh, so that's, that is uh, that question. Um, let's see. Um, and and, okay. and I would just say, just 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 to add to that that topic regarding a signed agreement on regionalism, I think, uh, or an organization that does a great job with their regional approach is the Denver Metro EDC. Um, they actually sign, you know, regional agreements with uh, with the other regional groups in within the state of Colorado to say, hey. This, this is the effort that, that we're going to put forth, and um, we're not going to compete with, with our counties um, for, for jobs or companies looking to locate in those counties. We'll, we'll actually help you out. I think that one, that one comes, that one relates to a question we have from San Antonio, from, from Misty, who asks, do you have examples of written regional codes of ethics or lead deployment protocols that guide regional governments and professional behavior? We do, actually. Um, and Misty, that's something that we'd, we'd be happy to, to send over, as would 
many others. So if, if, if actually, if folks have examples of, of regional, uh, you know, basically codes of ethics, that's a, a great collaboration piece that we could do in our LinkedIn group after the, after the session, which is Next Gen Economic Development Marketers. Misty, we'll, we'll send you an example um, of a uh, regional protocol. But I think this is boy. There, there are going to be lots of answers to that one. So I think that's a I think that's a great question. Um, let's see. Let's see if I can find another good one for for Jen. Um, what here's a here's a question, um, or it's a challenge. It's let's say there are folks inside the region in Orlando that have historically not come to the table. Jen, what what have you or Rick? tried or done that's been successful to get those outliers within the region to to come to the table? Uh, or has that not been an issue in Orlando? No, I, I think that's, I'd like to say it's not been an issue in Orlando, but um, <laughs> being very transparent, yes, it has. Um, a lot of it really kind of depends on exactly what, what kind of a player we're talking about. Um, if it's, you know, someone that we're working with that is a um, potential investor, if it's someone that, you know, really is a, an economic development partner, it's, it's really just trying to um, meet with them as much as possible on a one-on-one -on -one basis and work through what the, um, what the roadblocks potentially are to uh, working more together and to, you know, really being a true partner or true, um, you know, deciding to invest in, in the regional economic development strategy. So um, it, it really is full communication face-to-face. Right, so there's no there's no online tool that makes that happen. I don't think so. No, exactly. At, at certain levels, it's it's uh, it's all face to face. So we we have a question also from the Madison, Wisconsin region uh, that that sounds like it's just getting started. Um, and this is from Vic there, um, who, who basically shares that that there are several local ED professionals who've kind of long done their own thing. Uh, and they don't want to give up their turf or share info or work together. Um, uh, and you know, to me, I, I, what I would say is that that is a process. Jen outlined some some pieces to it. I would add a few others. That, um, but I, I would also say there's got to be some kind of problem that they feel like they need to solve, right? If a if a center city or center county doesn't want to come to the table because they're very satisfied with how it all works. It's going to be if there's no incentive for them to come to the table. It's going to be tough. However, if somebody that's kind of protecting their turf really has their feet held to the fire to perform differently, or they need to find a new way, or they've had a major relocation out of their community, there's going to be an incentive to uh, to try some different things. And and sometimes you need those external you need those external uh, forces to to bring folks together, as well as the tools around. A strategy, a code of ethics, and so on and so forth. Um, so, if there are any other questions, go ahead and and and, uh, and send them in. Um, otherwise, I'll uh, I'll probably pass it to to Guillermo to to close it up. Great, thanks, Ben. Um, like like Ben said, if if you guys would like a copy of this presentation. Please, uh, please click on the link in the chat box. Otherwise, you will find it uh, on our website at atlas-advertising.com. Uh, thanks again, thanks again, everybody. And, and if there's no more questions, then I think we can 
we can close up shop. Okay. Well, thank thank you, Jen, very much for for your time, and thanks everybody for participating today. Thanks, guys.